Welcome to the next episode of Business Blind Spots Exposed, the podcast. Click the subscribe button and follow us. Listening. Hi there, and welcome to the next episode of the Business Blind Spots Exposed podcast. My company, Carmo, uh, just to give you a sense of why we're doing this podcast, my company, Carmo, is all about building culture intelligence. It's all about people and understanding how people work and the way they behave by using data to help you understand that. Using this data, we can find better outcomes for the employees, for the business, and for the customers. But that data is all fantastic. It's all wonderful. But if you don't know what the blind spots are that are keeping your employees, your business, and your customers from having a better experience, it's all for naught. The purpose of this podcast is to help people understand what those blind spots are. We bring on experts. We bring on leaders in the industry to talk about the various components of how to run your business, how to they have run their business, mistakes that they have made, and where they started to use data and the numbers and the information already within their business to find a better outcome. A couple of things here. Uh, you'll find the chat box. I would love to hear see who's on. Just uh, join us and uh, tell us where you're from on the podcast. And hey, Troy, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. I'm doing great. Give me a couple more seconds here. I want to just give people a snapshot of what's coming up uh, today and what's coming up on our podcast. So. Um, let me start with a couple of events that we've got coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, on March 23rd, I've got Edmund Mackey for, about delivering a company vision and an approach and using data to outlay that strategy and that, uh, that pathway to, to success. On 318, I've got Ryan Ray, who's, coming, who's talking to us about the numbers behind people and getting them re-engaged, how the numbers have played out in his organization to create greater engagement through the numbers. And today we've got we've got Troy on, who's gonna be talking to us a little bit more. But before I get started with Troy, let me tell you a little bit about who he is and what he does uh, in the name of his company so you'll understand a little bit more. So I'm gonna read a little bit, uh, Troy, about your, uh, your background. Uh, so you're expert business strategist, you specialize in technology benefits and employee engagement. And I think that's the part that I really enjoyed the most when we first talked is this idea of leaning in with technology to get greater employee engagement. You're the director of national uh, national director of sales uh, at People Strategy, uh, and it's focused on the small and medium sized business sector. You're also an outspoken advocate in the fight against domestic minor sex trafficking. You founded Mission Haven, Mission Haven, uh, with your wife Hilda, building the largest care community for child survivors of DMST or domestic minor sex trafficking. You have a son in college, a dog, and three cats, and I, I love this part. Your first job was as a Easter Bunny. I was the Easter Bunny, yeah. <laughs> Fond memories of being the Easter Bunny. So, I think I got to start there. Tell, tell me about the Easter Bunny. <laughs> oh man, um, honestly, it was a. It was. A, I had a buddy who was working in the uh, the mall, and um, apparently, the the Easter Bunny uh, decided to quit. And uh, so he uh, he knew the mall manager, and they were they were looking for somebody, and I just was the first person they saw. So <laughs> I could take the job literally immediately. So uh, they put the suit on me that day, and uh, I had kids sitting in my lap like ten minutes later. So, so I'm I'm kind of curious. I've never been an Easter Bunny before. I've, it's it's not <laughs> something that's just kind of been in my professional path. Uh, what did you learn as an Easter Bunny? I gotta imagine kids uh, coming up to you was probably a was that different than what you'd expected? I mean, kids are coming up to you and just like tugging at your arms and saying, hey, I want to be next. Is that kind of what it was like? You know, it, the hardest part about it um, was just not talking to the kids because I, I really enjoy kids. I, I enjoy hanging out with them and I just love, you know, kind of their their interest in things. And so I, I think the hardest part was like I had to remember I was wearing the suit because you know, it wasn't something I'd been doing for a while. Um and honestly, it was only like one day before Easter. So it was like, it was a short, short career as the Easter Bunny. <laughs> gotcha. Well, um, the reason why I had you on today is because, mm -hmm. you know, I, the way I tell people is in any business, 99% of all the opportunities mm -hmm. and risks 
begin and end with people. It's we're all in the people business. That's Absolutely. it. Right. Yeah. Uh, what you all do as a company, people strategy is all about the people business too. Tell me a little more about people strategy first and a little bit about what you all do. So everyone has a little understanding of where you're coming from. Yeah, sure. Um, so people strategy uh, is uh, is an organization that provides technology uh, to organizations that uh, that also provides a lot of and, and, and around the topic, uh, a lot of transparency in the data and access to all the data within the system. Um, I think uniquely, uh, a lot of systems out there are disparate and, and don't have the ability to pull in uh, the data from all the different aspects from recruiting and um, you know, an HR to performance management uh, to time management and, and, and kind of all the components you need to make good strategic decisions around your human capital. Um, and so that's something that we, we do. Um, we're also a, a benefits provider. So we provide a lot of services around that and compliance um, and just, you know, providing best practices and recommendations, uh, you know, with an innovative approach. So. Tell me, who is the profile of the customer? I mean, I think it's small. I mean, small and medium-sized businesses. What I understand. Tell, tell me a little more. What, where, where are they as a company when they first approach you, or you approach them, whatever the case may be? What, where are they? What is where? Where is where is the hurt? Yeah, I think um, one of the the things that really attracted me to People Strategy was that they were an inter uh, enterprise class technology provider um, that had a long history and experience with some of. Uh, the U.S.'s largest organizations, um, and uh, so what they they really did in, in developing the new people strategy system is they reverse engineered what they were doing uh, for these larger organizations um, because in, initially the organization had had started off supporting um, sunsetting technologies, um, so like Genesis, um, you know, was a good example of that. And um, and so they took all that human or that you know intellectual capital and they and they deployed a strategy to to really bring those those same types of data and um, you know processes that you see from uh, much larger organizations down to the small and medium sized business. Um, so currently we have clients on the platform that have many thousands of employees all the way down to say five or six employees. And so we've got a good spectrum of, of clientele on the platform. And the great thing about it is that it's scalable, right? So we help clients that, you know, start with the very tactical kind of blocking and tackling the day-to-day -day things uh, to the very strategic type organizations. And, and the system opens up as the client needs to access more and more of the platform. So give, give me an example. I mean, as a company, we tend to focus in, you know, I'll say roughly uh, in companies that have 10 to 250 employees. By, by the time you start talking to 250, there's probably multiple locations. Right. There's multiple different types of roles, uh, you know, geographies that they've got to worry about. Talk to me about sort of a progression from, you know, that five or 10 on the smaller side to the larger companies. What, what do you see in that progression there? What sort of changes in, in what the organization needs? Well, let me start with what they 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 don't know, right? And that's that's most business owners, you know, that are kind of going through that that um, that process of of growth and expansion, whether it's multi-state or multi-location. Um, the complexities change and the requirements change, and a lot of times they move into thresholds where they they don't understand the landscape, they don't understand the requirements, um, and so you know they a lot of times feel like they're ready for the next step. And, and honestly, they, they almost need to take a, a step back before they put themselves in situations where, you know, they could be out of compliance. Uh, and so the, the, the journey that we take our clients on is very much consultative, but also making sure that we're kind of putting bumpers on the lane to protect the organization from, from potential pitfalls that um, exist. And, you know, depending on who the administration is right now, there, there's a more of a focus on, on different aspects of, compliance and what's important. Um, and so those things as they change and they will, um, you know, from, from time to time, you know, you want a partner um, that is going to be able to be proactive with those things and really truly understands not only what does it look like for a small organization, right? Kind of just getting things like just payroll done to, to the complexity uh, complexities that you see with, you know, having to uh, manage ACA compliance or, um, FMLA or ADA um, support. So, so you know, just having that that you know that contact and that point of contact where you can call somebody um, and really ask the questions. Um, and honestly, somebody who's being proactively, um, you know, uh, looking over your shoulder to make sure that you're doing things uh, properly. Now, the word that I've heard many times in the past and that you've used 
which makes some sense to me. Uh, but just that I come from a technology background. So, you know, terminology, I'm probably a lot more comfortable with it. HRIS, Human Resources Information System. Break that down for me. What Does everybody know what an HRIS system is the first time you talk to them about it or kind of where are they in that journey of understanding what you all do? Yeah, so so we're dealing with, uh, you know, it, it can be, you know, just controllers or CFOs, bookkeepers to, you know, um, chief human resource officers, right? Um, and, and there's a myriad of different um, people kind of in between the, the two. I, I would say that most people do understand what HRIS means. Uh, there's also HRMS or management systems, really the same thing. Um, ultimately, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're usually um, familiar with some portion of that in the smaller marketplace. So, you know, a lot of times you, you see like, a, you know, a lot of organizations out there just offer one piece of that could be just a basic payroll platform or HR platform or even just time and attendance. Um, but a, a true HRIS system is something that uh, is, is more of a single stack platform that really manages the entire life cycle of an employee. So kind of end to end, hire to retire, uh, you know, kind of cradle to grave sort of scenario um, and all the moving pieces. And, and so that's the, the class of technology that, that people strategy would fall into. And, and like I said, there's a variety of different, you know, aspects of that, but our system is modular. So, so it does represent those, those separate pieces. And so the clients that, that we, we work with, a lot of times it's, it's serving them where they're at right now. And, and sometimes they're not ready for all of it. Um, and I think that, that that allows us to, to really meet clients where they're at today. Um, and, and many times what you find out is there, there are systems out there that run out of gas. Um, you know, the, the system that got you here won't get you there kind of perspective. Um, and even though they, they may claim to be an HRIS, it, 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 it doesn't necessarily encompass everything that the HRIS should include. And I think part of what gave you all that capability to continue to scale is the fact that you started with really, it started as an enterprise class application right. for look, you know, organizations with many, many thousands of employees. Uh, and you distilled some of those concepts, brought it down downstream so that the company with five could access some of those modules that they can now start to capitalize on. And then as they move upstream, they can just turn on, turn on the That's button. Right. Is that right? Turn it on, open it up. Yep. For sure. Gotcha. So look, uh, the, the, the purpose of this podcast is, is blind spots. Yep. Uh, and for me, just, you know, in terms of personal journey, I've uh, bumped up uh, against the same walls or bumped, you know, skin my, skin my knuckles or what scraped my knuckles or whatever the uh, saying is there uh, too, too many times. And I started to realize, starting to see from other perspectives, I could potentially maybe uh, skin my knuckles one less time, <laughs> right? right? You're going you're gonna to do it. Uh, and the purpose of this podcast is to bring some of the people on who've seen people uh, or, you know, have experienced it themselves or seen others go through that. So tell me, what is the first thing that you see in organizations that may not have an HRIS system or HRMS system? What is the first, I'll call it the glass ceiling that they're bumping up against that they just can't punch through? What, what is that one that you see first? Well, first off, I, I want to say that like not understanding your data as an organization is is similar. I would liken it to like the head coach of a football team not knowing the down and distance every single play, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. You've got to understand, you know, what 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 you're up against, right? To be able to make smart decisions, and and you know, I think uh, you know the glass ceiling ultimately when it comes to data and specifically HR. Is that HR people, um, you know, have uh, you know traditionally been, um, you know, unwilling <laughs> a lot of times to embrace the technology that exists out there um, for the purpose of understanding their organization, um, and and you know, and being able to make good decisions um, uh, with that data, or or they they would like that, uh, and budgets wouldn't allow for them to be able to implement a system that would truly be best in class for their end-to-end -end, um, experience, employee experience, et cetera. Um, so, you know, the, the as a company that's trying to build culture through data, right? I mean, I th and I think what we do are very complementary as opposed to uh, overlapping. Uh, when we talk about data, sometimes people start thinking about cold, hard facts and gosh, I don't really want to be that way with my employees. 
Right. I think there's a better story to be tell, told so you can understand your employees better. Is that what you see as well? And, and is that what you mean by saying you need to understand and be able to embrace the data in your company? It's all about knowing your employees better. Is that right? right. It, it's not only about knowing your employees' data it's, it's, uh, or uh, better. It's, it's, it's also about being able to take action steps to make it, uh, to make it better, right? Um, so, you know, a lot of people do think about, you know, data and, and you know, they think, you know, Spock, right? <laughs> They're like, you know, that guy has no personality, right? <laughs> you know, or you think Rain Man, like Dustin Hoffman, right? You're like, oh my gosh, right? And I've met people like that in my past, you know, that, that really look at it. But data can be so much more than that, um, especially if it's easy to access and easy to understand. And I think that's the challenge for a lot of organizations that have disparate systems is that, you know, if, if, if you your systems for, for managing people um, aren't interconnected, right? And, and you don't have one centralized area to report that data and you can't put it in ways that like a visual person might understand it, right? So so potentially graphs and, and, and maybe uh, different ways of, of pulling the data in to understand it, uh, then you're gonna be challenged to, to, to wanna use it, right? Because it, it could be a bigger project than it feels like it's worth, but that's why you have to have you know the right partners um, to, to help you pull those things together so that you have a strategic plan for not only getting the data in front of you, digesting it, and then taking action steps with it. Uh, and I, I see we've got a number of people who are who are listening in. I'd encourage you just tell us who you are, where, where you're calling, where you're dialing in and connecting from, I guess is the right term. Uh, just love to see who's on. Uh, so please type in to the chat where you're, where you, where you're connecting from. Um, taking better action. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm probably still a kid at heart in the sense that I love stories. So Troy, tell me a story. Tell me a story about how you took someone from where before they had an HRS system or, you know, any of this data and you were able to make that story and give it the fairy tale ending, if you will. Tell me a story there. Yeah, I think um, it's uh, it's about, have you ever looked, uh, and I'll tell you a story, but uh, have you ever looked at one of those books? Uh, I remember looking at them as a, you know, as a young, young kid where, you know, you're trying to see the image and it, it looks like just wavy lines and things like this. Um, that And then you get up really close and you cross your eyes and you like pull your face away from it, right? And, um, and I think that, you know, when you, you think about people's businesses or what their core responsibilities are, whether it's an HR, you know, manager or, you know, CEO of a company, I think a lot of times they're, they're kind of like right here trying to see the big picture. Um, and I can't tell you timeless, you know, time and time again, where, you know, I've had clients that, you know, were so close to like the, the business that they couldn't see the, the, the bigger picture, right? Um, and they couldn't make strategic decisions because, they were so focused on managing a poor employee, right? Or they were so focused on, you know, tracking, you know, just hours and, and criticizing, you know, different pieces of it. And, and they didn't understand the bigger picture. I, I remember in my first conversation with you, you were talking about some of the things that, you know, the business owners you work with were, were hyper-focused on when really, you know, that was actually a positive if you looked at the bigger picture, you know, maybe somebody not speeding, for example, right? Uh, in their vehicle, now they're not getting tickets, or they were speeding, and they actually got there on time. So they were their intentions were good, even though you're slapping them on the hand for getting a ticket or driving too fast, right? And so when you're so close to the business that you don't have the ability to take a look back, um, I think it's challenging for for you to see what's important. Um, and what what our system has been able to do is allow clients to have everything in one place, eliminating what I love to call administrivia right? Just the busyness of HR, the onboarding process, the process of, you know, having to link systems and export and import files, right? Having it all succinctly operate through, uh, through automation, right, um, is, is an important thing. And I think the, the interesting thing is that companies still choose to, 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 to create uh, situations where they're not able to connect those systems, and, 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 and they, they do that. I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Why wouldn't you want one system that does, that does everything? And so it, you know, for, for me that what's been eye-opening for my clients is when they get into a solution that, that is end to end, you know, they, they finally kind of eyes open like, wow, this is so much better 
than having a, a payroll system and a time and attendance system. And, you know, oh, by the way, we have a benefits broker that, you know, is outside of that system and their technology, they bring their own thing that doesn't speak to this over there and that over there. So um, I think it, it really is uh, a something everybody should experience, um, you know, in, in managing their business. So I, I, I'm kind of curious, based on some of the folks that are listening in, uh, this this term that uh, Troy just threw out there, administrivia. Do you feel like that's something that kind of bogs you down? I know it has for me in the past. Just you're kind of in the, down in the details. You're, you're down in the weeds, and you spend so much time down in the weeds, you can't get to raising the gaze or looking up and looking at the playing field as opposed to looking at your feet. I used to play a lot of soccer. <laughs> Uh, I play a little football. I used to play for this guy right here. I for John Edwards, so. Yeah. So uh, that, just that idea of administrivia, I'm kind of curious if there are people on the on the line or connected in who feel like they spend too much time in administrivia or have noticed other people spending too much time in ad- administrivia. You know, Troy, one of the things that I tell people about all, all the time is this idea of decision velocity, right? How fast can you truly make good decisions? You know, if you talk about a professional football team, you know, we just had the Super Bowl not not too long ago. Can you imagine being the coach of a football team and not being able to make a decision on a play until three days later, 30 days later? Yep. I mean, what a terrible way to run a team. We're talking Uh, 20 or 30 seconds later. I mean, like if they can't, if they don't have the eyes in the sky and the the tablets in their hand, how how good are the decisions that they're making? Like in the moment, right? That's right. So how is it that you run a business where, you know, you look at your numbers every 30 days? Well, how can you tell, hey, Johnny, uh, on February 19th at 11, 11 a.m., I didn't like what you did. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? I don't even remember what happened that day. It was, it was so long ago. Yeah. And I think that's part of what you're talking about here is if you're going to, if I mean, using the football analogy here, can you start making decisions faster, more insightful decisions faster because you start to see how the play, how the game is developing as it happens, as opposed to waiting a month later trying to say, hey, Monday morning quarterbacking, right? I think that's what they call it, right? Is that is that that kind of, that's the sort of the transition that people go to as they start to use your system? Am I getting that yeah, right? Yeah, so, so you don't have to worry about the lagging indicators because it's all real-time data, right? Think about, you know, most systems you have to import, you know, data and then you have to wait for the system to analyze it. It's usually, you know, 30 days after the fact. Um, I think of a lot of accounting systems that kind of operate that way, right? They, they they take all this information, they put it into maybe an Excel document, right? Uh, and, and then it, it analyzes it. But, you know, that, that that's not going to allow you to make real-time decisions. And so having, you know, a platform that does that is, is certainly going to be an advantage um, when, you know, the, the, the speed of business is, is, is increasing, right? So you've got to be ready to make, you know, game time, you know, decisions really quickly. Um, so um, I heard a quote once that I, I've started to pay a lot of attention to. I've started to notice a lot. Uh, what you say to people doesn't matter as much as how you make them feel. Right. Um, when coming into an organization, what is what are the owners? What is the leader, senior leadership? How do they feel when you first talk to them? What is or what it what is the source of feeling that begins the conversation? And what is sort of the resistance to using the system? Why they don't move forward? Or what is it that you've got to overcome to get them there? I think one of the challenges um, is is certainly. Um, that that people are fearful of, of change. They believe that their employees are fearful of change, um, and and that's probably true. Um, I think you know when you think about any decision, it's usually the status quo that that trumps, right? Uh, I think uh, in general in, in the B two B world, I think it's over sixty five percent of decisions are are you know delayed or stalled completely um, in in any sort of uh, change um, you know approach. Um, but what, what I would say is that, you know, it's it's one of those things where it takes a, it takes a uh, a lot of courage to to go ahead and say, you know what, we're going to change things because I believe it's better for the for the organization. And I think what what typically prevents that is that everything is is by committee nowadays, right? And so you're talking about, you know, what what is uh, you know what do people think and feel? And I, I think uh, you have to win the hearts and minds of, of, of people, and that's from the 
from the top down, right? Um, because if you really truly believe it's better for your, your company, you have to you have to be able to convey that to the people who have to make the change. Um, and you have to evangelize it within the organization. And the, that impacts a lot of people when you talk about HR, right? Um, you know, it's not a lot of times, even the system that I'm talking about, um, you know, more of a single source type approach to, to managing HR. That's a big undertaking for a lot of organizations. And so you want to make sure you get it right and with the right people. Um, but, uh, but I would say that, you know, a lot of times the, the biggest problem, like, I don't know if you've, anybody else has read this book, but have you, uh, have you heard uh, or read, read the book or heard of it? Um, Everybody Lies. I have heard of it. I have not read it. Oh, it's a, it's a wonderful read. Um, basically, uh, Seth Stevens uh, Davowitz, I think is his name, um, talks about how he, he gets all the data from, from Google on, you know, what, what people are searching for. Right. These are these are these are people that are, that, you know, like Google doesn't lie. The data doesn't lie. Everybody else does. Right. <laughs> and the interesting thing about it is like you would never expect some of the things that people are looking for um, and, and and they're interested in. And uh, certainly there's an ebb and flow depending on, you know, what's trendy today or what happened, you know, like when Kobe Bryant died or things like that. But but outside of that, it's just interesting. And so so data will tell you a lot. And if you don't have that within your organization, your employees will lie to you, right? They will not tell you the truth because they're afraid a lot of times. And that's where it takes good EQ or emotional intelligence for you to, to discern, right? What, is, what does that mean? Or even better than EQ is good data because the data will tell you what's going on. You know, I, I, I've got some kids in grade school. And one of the things I always tell them is my, my father taught me this idea of using averages to do calc math calculations, right? They said, well, if you're doing 50 times 50, uh, or if someone asks you 51 times 53, huh, I don't know off the top of my head. I got to sit down and take take a second and think about it. You should always tell me, do 50 times 50, and you'll at least know you're in the ballpark. I think what I'm hearing from you is by getting this data, it's not about I have all the answers, but you're kind of in the ballpark and kind of can call, if you need to call BS on someone, you say, eh, that's not what's happening. By the same token, if they you you can lean in and say, let me tell you what I understand is happening. Can I help you kind of get over that hump so you can get to that next level? Is, is that what I'm hearing? That's exactly what, I, what you're saying. You can make a lot better decisions. Um, you like, look, I, I think that uh, a lot of people make decisions by their gut, right? Um, I, I know you've heard that, you know, I can, I can, these gut decisions, right? But what if you could support those decisions? Like, I, I think good people have good intentions. Obviously, CEOs that are, you know, um, I think they have a couple different things. You know, a lot of times they, they you have to get a little bit lucky. There's always that element, right, to to have the right service for the right people at the right time. But uh, but there's some grit there. Um, but uh, uh, intuition. You know, I think you know good CEOs have a little bit of intuition. Um, and what if you could back that up with solid data, right? And your decisions were matching up with the data. The data says this, and I was already feeling like we needed to do this, right? Um, or, or what if it, it it's the opposite, right? The data doesn't support that. How much money did you save? How much time and energy and heartache, you know, and potentially key personnel did you not lose because you made a really poor decision? I've been the part, um, or I've, I've been a part of organizations that made really good decisions and ones that made bad ones that made me leave, right? Um, and I've always been a high performer everywhere I've went. And, um, and so, so, you know, I'm not saying... Um, the greatest thing since sliced bread. I'm just saying you don't want to lose people that that move the the needle or move the the ball down the field and closer to the end zone. And that's what happens when you don't rely on good data to make decisions. And today there's no excuse not to have it. You can have it all in one place, right? So why why wouldn't you? You know, that's this is interesting. The, the thought the thought that comes up as you're talking about this is as you start to build kind of this data-driven HR data-driven HR in your organization, there's also this concept of, you know, I've tried to think about, so look, you, you've kind of got the mind, you've kind of got the gut and and sort of the heart is sort of the three tools, I think, of when I'm making decisions. The gut is, uh, is valuable, but the problem is the gut also suffers from what I'll call recency bias, right? You can only remember maybe the last three weeks, especially if you have 10, 15, 20 employees, at some point in time, you don't know all the facts. Yeah. At some point in time, and this is probably what gets a lot of people into hot water. They get rid of people that should have that should have stuck around. 
It's just the last three weeks, their mother had COVID, right? And they've just, they've slacked off a little bit because their mom was sick. But right. you you saw something that you thought was happening and last three weeks kind of proved it out, but you weren't necessarily objectively looking at it. Right. Uh, and that's what this will allow you to do is, hey, let's let's see if that's really the truth. I think just from a from a liability point of view, there's probably a lot of benefit to doing that. Am I getting that right as well? Well, certainly from a liability standpoint, um, but but yes, I, I think just from a continuity standpoint, having having a, a deeper understanding um, of your employees, I, I, I think empathy is is something that uh, is is not just trendy but important for for organizations um, to have. I mean, through COVID, um, you know, it's been extremely challenging for a lot of people uh, who are either dealing with you know people who are sick or just isolation. I think has been equally hard for for people. Um, organizations have have closed their doors, right? So you know whether it's you know family businesses that have been around for forty or fifty years to you know all kinds of different things. So um, I think it's incredibly important for for you to have all the facts before you make bad decisions uh, like that or rash decisions, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, it, it's hard to fill, backfill that position. I mean even if you're fast six months before they're yeah. back at operational status, and so, it's costly. Yeah, that's right. So I uh, so I heard this first blind spot is not understanding your data and you got to embrace embrace the data take better actions. What else? What else do you see that are I'll call it chinks in the armor that uh, you see from kind of coming in? Yeah, I think uh, some of the the chinks uh, just might be um, having some of the data or focusing on certain things more than the other than others. Um, you know. I, I, one of the one of the things I, I I've heard of uh, many times is that now now HR leaders are focusing on on turnover data right, um, which is I think is good right. So now they're they're focusing on that. It, it's a little bit it was it it was forward thinking you know probably half a dozen to ten years ago to to really look at that, and I can honestly tell you a lot of organizations still aren't looking at it, but. The ones that are um, have not really evolved or progressed beyond that. Um, so they're not looking at um, key performance indicators. I mean, you see all these things in, in organizations that leverage big data. You know, we're talking the, the biggest companies in the world. And, and I'm not saying you have to emulate all of it, but why, why do they use it? Do you think there's an advantage to it? There, there's a reason why they're doing it, right? It's because there's an advantage to it, to understanding the data and why, why it actually should be leveraged um, or just to, to, to simply know that it you know you maybe have a problem. I remember reading um, a, an article about Google where they identified an oxycotton problem in one of their offices because they could see that there there was prescriptions that were being you know um, fulfilled in just that office like crazy, and so they actually went in and, and were able to to help with you know providing. They didn't tell them why they were doing it, but they were providing guidance and and help to their employees, um, you know, saying, hey, look, we've got resources for this stuff. They weren't deploying that everywhere because it wasn't necessarily a problem everywhere. But this specific office, they deployed specific resources. And so what if you had the ability to, to kind of intervene, um, you know, and help your employees, uh, you know, to, to, to correct course, right? Um, and that's a, that's a unique example, but, you know, those, those happen all the time. So I, I'm, what I heard here is kind of having incomplete information. I and mean, if you've got an incomplete information, you, you don't understand the whole picture. And as the senior leader in an organization, you know, manager in an organization, uh, I mean, you're really the coach for those employees. And in order for a coach to be able to, I mean, I, I used to run track. Uh, if my coach does not know how I ran my last 400 meters and has that been improving over time? Is it slumping? You know, what are my splits at each one of the 100 meter marks? Uh, they can start to tell me here. Hey, look, when I here's here's I want you to save a little bit more, and I want you to put more of a kick on the last you know three hundred you know last hundred meters, whatever the case may be, right? But by getting some of this information, then it pushes you or empowers you more in this role of a coach to get maximum results and productivity and profitability out of that that employee to a to an end that they probably want as well. I mean, they right. want to be valued, right? Uh, and it puts them into that position, right? Yeah, it also puts you in a position if you understand your employees better. You can you can see where there is leading and lagging indicators that can help with maybe right positioning somebody. I mean, a lot of times you know people 
you know, they're great employees, but they're not, they're not set up for success because they're not in the right role. And so if you have good data, you can identify those strengths and weaknesses more effectively. And that's, that, that's, that goes actually back to leadership, right? So leadership is an important component of this too. So, you know, are you deploying the right programs to help your leaders be more effective in coaching and training your employees and onboarding and all the other things that are necessary um, to, to help the organization thrive, right? And, and so that's something that you also don't have if you're not leveraging, you know, the right data points. Um, so I want to, so that's a, that brings up a really interesting, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story here. You know, I was many, many years ago, I was running a government contracting company and I went and took a class. Uh, I've told this story once before and it was, uh, you know, I'm sitting there just typing away on my laptop. This guy is just saying, stuff, wah, 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 wah. you know, I, I understand what he's saying. And he makes a statement. He says, and the problem is most often times it's the leadership that is holding the company back. And I look up from my laptop, you know, slightly offended, like, <laughs> you know, you know pounds you're talking to me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what are you talking about? I'm the one who's driving this organization forward. And he points at me. He's like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You don't realize that you're the bottleneck to success for, and he lays out a bunch of reasons. There's egos involved here, even though you don't notice it sometimes because this, the, the management, the senior leadership doesn't know how they're precluding or preventing employees from doing better. This gives you a lens into that, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. hey, there, there's a there's a ceiling that each one of my employees hit. Why is that ceiling there? Uh, it's probably pointing at you. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, I mean, it could be all kinds of different things, but, you know, at least you can you can look at, you know, points of, of data and, and maybe notice a trend that, that uh, specifically it, it may not even be the, the, the top officer. It may it may be individual leaders. You know, I've had leaders uh, over the years that maybe were effective in the markets they were in, um, and then they move into other markets and they're way less effective uh, because maybe their communication style isn't really uh, well received. Um, I'm thinking, you know, some people that have led me over the years out of the, you know, Northeast that have come down and, you know, and I'm from California, I'm pretty easygoing. Um, but, you, you know, you start pointing the finger and yelling at people and cussing at them and you're like, wow, man, like. You could have just asked me nicely, right? <laughs> you know. I'd run through a brick wall if you'd ask me nicely, but if you're going to cuss and scream at me, you know. So it, yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's any leading indicators for cussing and screaming, but you can you can see how the performance, uh, you know, of a, a leader can can uh, either be um, you know stifled or um, you know or, or like you said, reach reach a ceiling. Um, of some format, you know, just based on uh, even just a change in location, right? Hey, this guy was a, you know, or, or lady was a high performer here, but over here they're, they're not performing very well. And this is a market that traditionally has. Now you can ask the question why, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious. So we've, we've had more people join us and I hope, hopefully this is a really, I make that, take that to believe that this is a very interesting conversation uh, I would love for people to tell us, what do you think is the number one problem that you've had in and around managing people? What is it, uh, what is that has kept you up at night or keeps you up at night today or has kept you up at night? I'm, I'm uh, curious. Please uh, type those in in the comments. Um, I, I like this idea of leading and lagging indicators. Uh, and, and what it means to me is a lagging indicators, all the stuff that's happened, you can't change it. It's now, it's now in the books, Right. Right. But the, the, the leading indicators, the stuff that I can start to say, all right, there's there's a knob I can adjust here. I, the accelerator on the, on the car, right? I see 70 miles an hour. I can lift off the pedal because speed limit 65. Right. The same way with employees, with these leading indicators, you can now start to figure out that you're pushing too hard. Why are your insurance premiums too high? Because revenue hours is how you're paying them, and they're all starting to get speeding tickets. Ah, right. Light, the, the light bulb moments go off. Is, is that something that you've witnessed as people start to use, move towards this kind of data-driven HR? Yeah, I think uh, I think that's the advantage, right, of implementing something because, you know, most organizations have limited resources and so they're already going to be taxed with the amount of things that they can get done. But by taking maybe the, the little extra time of implementing the right systems, it actually frees them up to focus more on uh, understanding the organization and what makes it happen. I think there's a lot of times a fear um, you have leadership that if, if they eliminate some work 
uh, from their plate, that they're also going to lose resources. And I would deeply encourage leaders, you know, executive leaders within organizations, not to make that a trend because if if they are truly looking to uh, to to you know move their organization forward, what they want to do is repurpose those resources uh, within their organization. Those people that have been dedicated um, to your to your goals and um, your success, and and allow them to grow into new positions where they can be leveraged uh, even more successfully, and not to you know, do uh, automation for the purpose of just automation, right? But to 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 take those resources and 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 push them forward because I think that there's always this fear, and that's the reason why I see a lot of times people not making the change and, and leaders falling into the same category. If I if I automate these things, I'm gonna lose you know X, Y, and Z people, and that that shouldn't be a, a fear that they have, right? That's not really the purpose of automation. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, two two things that come up to me. Number one is this idea that when you start to automate the systems, look, as an, just like you, I, I think I, I've done pretty well in my career. I tell people that the lowest I've ever gotten out of a hundred on a, on a, on a ranking was 94, but yet I was always, I, I pretty much every job I've ever had, I was always scared that I was going to get fired and kind of like, well, that doesn't make any sense. You got a 94 <laughs> as your lowest. Well, it's because ex- no one ever told me how I was being measured. If right. someone told me on a weekly basis, even on a biweekly or monthly basis, Here's here's a report card because that's what I grew up getting, right? Right. B's and probably a lot more C's and D's, but uh, at least I knew where, where I stood. So automation of the system and being able to tell people where they stand, actually, what might seem a little scary, actually, it gives them an opportunity to opt in to doing better if if they want to, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, it, it's again, do you have the tools to be able to do that effectively? Because I, I think that most leaders would like to understand what their employees are doing. But, you know, do they have a system that's integrated for things like pulse surveys? Are they asking the right questions? Do they, you know, do they have some some way of, uh, you know, some formalized way of following up with employees, not just when they see performance uh, declines, but also, you know, are they are they doing anything to recognize uh, their employees, right? Uh, for for successes and, and and jobs well done, I think that the 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 answer is typically no, um, and or or so inconsistently that it's it's almost worthless, right? Um, that's the pur- purpose of having a system is that it you know it's 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 something that you can repeat, um, and 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 technology is, is, is at the point where you can, you can have your key cake and, and eat it too. So something I always like to think of for myself personally, and I've started to kind of lean more and more into this is, look, I've got limited time on this earth, just like every one of us does. And I think that's a, I, I think you could put a period at the end of that sentence. Uh, and because my time is limited, how do I amplify the amount of time that I have? Right? How do I get the maximal value out of it? Instead of taking time exporting spreadsheets, pulling them into other spreadsheets, doing all this massaging, all this stuff 30 days later, if I get a system to do it for me, now I can stop spending time on the squeaky wheel because I'm always trying to just lift them up. I can start to spend time on the ones that are actually most valuable, most effective in my organization and help them do better because that's really, that squeaky wheel, I mean, they can either kind of pull their socks up and join the rest of the crew or See you later, right? I love you, but you're not meeting my expectations. This allows you to automate paying attention to those that you kind of really care about and never want to leave, right? Leaning into those people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and it's not just HR, right? I mean, it really is across the organization. I, I, I'm a big believer that technology is is one of those things that, you know, when leveraged properly, gives you more time with the people that you care about, Yeah. right? Um, it can also be a huge distraction, you know, like I, I, I used to play stupid little games on my phone. This is a long time ago, but, uh, and I, what I noticed is I, 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 I was spending time looking at my phone. Um, and I don't do social media all that much either, to be honest with you, because I think it, uh, it again gives you some false representation of what, you know, life is supposed to look like. It's everybody's a, a role, right. Versus my B role, which I'm living right now. Right. <laughs> you know, everybody's living their, their best life now sort of situation. And that's yeah. not the case. But what, what I, I do think the systems do is they give you more time to spend again with the people that you care about, right. More face to face time. And, and today with COVID, I think that's more important than anything, right. Is that, uh, you know, like if we get to spend more time with our family during this kind of 
whole lockdown season um, or with, you know, with, with other people within our organization. Um, I, I think those are all good things because automation has kind of picked that up. But what happens, I think, is a lot of times we just ask more of people, um, which is understandable. Um, I, I, there was a, some statistics about the average work week uh, I read back in the, um, the, the 1920s. I think we were working somewhere around 60 hours a week. Um, and now the average human in, uh, in, well, in, in, in the United States is working somewhere right around 31, 32 hours per week, like actually working. And so we, the technology has proven that now, you know, we can do a lot more because of it. Um, but, but what are we doing with that extra time? Right. Are we, are we spending it with, with things that matter? Um, or are we, are we spending it on, um, you know, things that don't, uh, and I, I think, again, you know, going back to the statement we said earlier, like, are you doing, are you spending your time in the right areas? And, and is there a system that could take that over for you? And I think in most cases, the answer is yes. If you're willing to take a little bit of time to implement something um, or a better process. So this reminds me of a conversation I had with a panel of uh, some business leaders and, you know, my, my company has been going through some fantastic growth, which is which is a luxury of problems to have. But it is still a problem. And the question I asked of that panel, I said, what, do you, what advice do you have? And look, I've got all this growth. I'm putting the right people in place. And something that scares me is this idea that someone would leave. And everyone kind of just said, kind of took a second and said, um, well, basically boils down to, but now you're asking the wrong question. <laughs> The, 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 the right question is more about how are you leaning into those people that you that they can't leave because they love you so much right right because replacing that person if it's if it's if it would hurt if they left you know you know I'm just talking sort of uh, figuratively hug, hug them tighter <laughs> right uh, you may not necessarily be able to do that uh, but hug them tighter make them feel loved make them feel like every single day when they walk in, that you do love. And that doesn't mean you have to pay them more. I, I mean, it's really just, hey, Jack, thanks for coming by today. I, I really love what you've been doing for us this week. Thanks. Right? I mean, I've heard so many times. It's not about compensation all the time. It's just an attaboy. That's all you need. And this is what uh, what can how, how you can do that is by seeing the data that proves that out to you. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to the thought of, of wellness, right, uh, too. You know, the, everybody has things that are important to them, and, and they're different. Um, but even just asking somebody how their day is going goes a long ways, right? Uh, being being intentional um, uh, about those things. And, again, if you free up time with, with better systems, then it gives you the ability to be more personable with people. Uh, but if you're going to take that and you're gonna just going to hide in, in your office and you're not going to be – you know, interacting with people, I, I don't know that that's going to help you. Then we go back to the, the, the leadership development side because th those things will be picked up in the data as well. You know, um, Sally has has great leadership skills. Her people love her. You know, we've got a mood dashboard. Every time you log into our system, right, it, it asks, hey, are, are you having a great day or, or, or not? You know, how are you feeling today? Um, and, and one of the things that that can do is that can give you data on, hey, this department is not doing well. Right. Um, and, uh, and, you know, or, or, you know, this, uh, this manager, you know, is, is, you know, their, their people aren't doing well. And so you can, you can look at those sorts of things and, and really make better decisions well before, you know, they're, they're systematic problems. So uh, we've got a number of people have been following us for a little while here and you've been quiet. So I would, I'd be curious if you've been sticking on for so long, what, what's, what are the lessons learned here? What are the kind of the key nuggets that you've been picking up? I would love to hear what uh, what you will walk away from this session with. I would love to kind of hear uh, Troy's thoughts on what you picked up, if there's any more uh, uh, depth he can give to those uh, those ideas. In the meanwhile, um, you know, look, I always like to start with uh, easy steps, right? If someone, the, the most, the best thing that you can do is just take the first step forward. If someone wants to go down this path and say, hey, look, I really want to build a better culture, a more intentional culture. I want to get greater engagement out of employees. Give me three steps. What are the first three things that you would suggest somebody do to get there? Well, I think you need to acknowledge that you maybe don't have it all figured out. Um, yep. I, I think that's with anything. I, I mean, um, I 
right now there's a big focus for me. Um, I'm an athletic guy. I retired from football some years ago. And, um, you know, I, I was looking for that thing that, uh, you know, made me feel excited about going and working out because I just didn't want to do it anymore. I was getting a little bit fluffy, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and uh, so I had to admit that, uh, you know, for, for me that I, 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 first of all, I was kind of in a funk, right? I, I, I was looking for something and I didn't know what to call it. And so I just tried, I, I, I started investigating things, right? Um, and so one of the things I investigated was CrossFit. And, uh, you know, I, I, for, for me, it was, it was one of those outlets where it was really hard. Right. But, it, you know, when you see the results of, of things that are really hard, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's evident that, you know, for me, it was going to be similar to football and there's a great community of people there. So I had to admit that I, I didn't, I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. I wasn't getting fulfilled from it and it wasn't working, right? Uh, because I just, I didn't want to do it. And so I had to find something new. And I think the thing, same thing goes with, you know, finding a solution um, that works within your, your company, right? You have to admit that there's a problem. Um, I think secondarily is just be inquisitive, you know, just, just be curious, intellectually curious about what you may be missing um, and be, be willing to admit that you don't have it all figured out because I can, I can tell you, you know, if you're if you're not one of those you know companies that has two hundred thousand employees working for you, you probably haven't figured it all out yet, right? Because if you had the best systems and the best this and the best that, you know, your company would grow so fast, right? And so, be willing to admit that like you don't know everything, and just be curious about it. Um, you'll meet some good people, and you'll meet some not so good people, and that's just the way it is. Write those ones off. Um, and I think thirdly, be willing to take risks, right? Because you know. If, if you always stay safe, you're never, you're never going to get to where you want to be. And I, like, I go back to my CrossFit, like I took a risk because I'm, you know, six foot three, 240 pounds. And at that time I was almost 260 pounds and I could barely do a pull up, which for me, I was a professional athlete. So I, that was a little bit embarrassing. So I took a risk and I went to a place where I didn't know anything about, you know, the community. I didn't know anything about the workouts. And I just put myself in a vulnerable place. And my, my wife uh, did the same about two years ago. And so now it's something that we do together and it's, it's awesome. But we both had to take risks and get in that uncomfortable place, right? And yeah. I think you have to be willing to do that um, with change as well. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting you say that because I think a lot of the folks in these roles kind of were, are entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs of some, some type. And what got them to the level that they're at, they're at is because unlike others, they were willing to take some risk, right? They were willing to take, go out on a limb and just give it a shot, right? And, and say, you know what, I'm, I'm, will, I'm willing to get a couple of cuts, bruises, and scars to get there. I mean, you wouldn't have gotten into to the level of performance that you got to had you not uh, without doing that. Right. Um, so I, I like this idea that there's something more that I want. If And you can be completely selfish there and saying, hey, I, I know there's a problem here, but there's something more that I want. And that becomes sort of the magnetism. That becomes the vacuum that draws you forward. And then just trying to figure out what what is it? What do I call it? Uh, what do I name it? So I can now start to learn about it and just take a step. I mean, I think that's the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step, right? Right. Uh, um what what else do you, I mean, well, I guess what I'll, where I'm trying to go with is if someone wants to get started with you, what's the, how do they get started? Is it a, is it a complex process or easy process? How, what does that look like? Yeah. So uh, to get to know me, it doesn't take much. I mean, I'm a pretty open guy, but uh, as far as the process uh, with us, you know, honestly, it's, it's a discovery process for, for both, both parties, right? If, uh, if you're looking for, you know, a, a system that could potentially help you, you know, level up your ability to, first of all, get the data that's, you know, you need to support better decisions. But secondly, um, provide world-class HR to your employees um, and uh, just a world-class experience to them. Then, you know, let's let's have a Q&A, right? We want to understand, you know, what are the, the pitfalls that you're, you're falling into right now? What are some of the challenges you're having that are preventing you to you know, get from point A to point B, um, you know, we'll be completely transparent with you. And we, we ask that, you know, and, and as far as you feel comfortable, be as transparent as you possibly can be um, so that, you know, we can understand if we could potentially be a good fit for, for, for your organization. And sometimes the answer is not now, right? Um, and that's okay. Um, and oftentimes that comes from us. You're not, you're not ready, but 
you know, we're able to connect them with people, um, you know, with our experience that, that, that can help them, you know, get the pieces in place so that they can take the right steps. Um, and, uh, and in many cases, we are a great fit. I mean, we're growing, we're pretty fast. And, you know, again, our, I, I think I mentioned earlier on our, our, our approach is very much about what the customer needs and not necessarily what we want to deploy. And, um, and so, you know, here at people strategy, we don't have monthly quotas and all those things. We're, we're not going to be trying to, you know, uh, ABC, you always be closing, you know, I think you've got to take a personalized approach and we're all just human beings. Um, and so that's the approach that we take at people strategy because we put people first. Yeah. Uh, I've got your contact information. I would love to put that into the uh, comments if if you're okay with that, just so people have that information. Uh, just if they have any questions or just want to get more from you. Oops. I just lost. Uh, I think I just lost you. So if anyone is, uh... hey there. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I was just saying that if I, I'll I'll have your con your contact information, I'll put it in the comments, uh, and after we post this, if anyone's got any questions for you, I encourage them to reach out to you or, or reach out to me, and I'll I'll connect you with Troy. I I, I think there's a lot of good information here. Uh, I think for me, one of the take home messages, and I've started to hear this lots of places, or this is sort of an underlying theme. You know, I used to think of HR as a way of mitigating risk. And I think that is the wrong way to think about it. It's really uh, ass backwards. Um, it's the other way around, right? It's right. it's all about creating greater profitability, scalability, um, you know, just overall success of the company. I mean, if you lean into the people, if I always say, if I can hire people for their minds, but if I get their hearts, I win. Uh, and I think that's the way to think about this is if people start to lean in with a data-driven HR approach in their organization, they should be able to kind of find the key to unlock each individual and get maximum maximum value out of their employment. Uh, and not in a bad way, I think in a collaborative way, in a good way. Yeah. Well, I think the, the, the legacy or the people that you leave behind, right? And so you were talking, we only have a finite amount of time here. And um, I think the investment you make in people um, is never returns void. And, um, you know, data allows you to understand your employees better, right? Um, and if you can understand them better, then you can, you can communicate better. You can, you can set up the right programs that people will use and leverage. You can communicate properly. Um, you can, you know, help your, your leaders develop the skills they need um, to continue uh, to help your organization thrive. Um, you know, one of the things that Burton Goldfield used to say when I worked at China is that he wanted to build an enduring company, um, you know, a company that, that, that stands the test of time, right, that goes far beyond. And, and, you know, when you look back at the track record of many organizations, they don't endure past the first generation. Um, they may make it into the second generation, unless your goal is to sell, right? And I understand, you know, a lot of tech startups, that's the goal you know, build it up and, you know, get funding and then sell it for millions of dollars. But most of us, most of us are never going to run successful businesses like that where, you know, you have some huge exit, just to be honest. And so you, if you don't want to leave a wake of people in, <laughs> behind you, right? And I think if you always focus on the people, what will happen is that those people, the ROI on that will be 10, 10 times what, what you could have squeezed out of them. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, no, I, I love that perspective. So I'm a, I, the, the, the tagline that's come into mind for this, for this sort of this episode of this conversation really is if uh, you really love your people, prove it with data. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> right. Well, thanks, uh, Troy. I, I appreciate this. Uh, I mean, as, as always, every time I talk to you, I, I, I get something out of it. So I uh, appreciate you sharing uh, your insights, your perspective on things. So any other last last thoughts or comments? Uh, no, I don't know that I have any last comments. I, you know, I, I would encourage everybody that like, look, this is the, the data journey is, is something that everybody feels a little bit intimidated by. Right. Um, and so, you know, if you pick a good partner, what I would say is that partner will help you set it up. They'll lead you. If they do it right, they'll, they'll, they'll lead you to the water and they'll, they'll let you, uh, they'll let you drink. Right. So, you know, as far as, you know, if you're a visual person, like I am, you know, I like to see my data visually. Right. 
A good example of that would be having them set up the dashboard the way you want to see data, even telling you what, what might be important for you to look at right now. And, and only a good partner is, you know, is going to be able to do that versus just giving you a tool that you don't understand and don't know how to leverage. Um, and so I would ask more questions about how are you going to help me deploy this? What is this going to look like 30, 60, 90, a year from now, right? Um, and those questions should give you the idea of the caliber of person you're dealing with, not just the level um, of, uh, or the skill set that they have around sales. Uh, good point. Um, I think that's the, the right, right, right questions to ask for sure. So. Uh, everyone who's been joining us, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully you got some really good uh, insights out of Troy. I, I always do. So hopefully you did as well. Troy, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you, brother.